News. 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 New York City. F-A-Q. It's one in the morning, and New York's Democrats have selected their political leaders. You're tuned into the smooth sounds of F-A-Q and NYC. Welcome to another episode of FAQ NYC, but this is a special episode. It's the morning after the New York Democratic primaries, and what happened? The insurgents showed up. Bernie-inspired lefty youngins, but they didn't unseat the king, Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo. He fended off celebrity challenger Cynthia Nixon, so Andrew got all his people in, but there was a rising tide of insurgency. Come November, they might even give him the unapologetically progressive legislature he never wanted. As we've talked about, Cuomo's a middle-of-the-road kind of guy. He even welcomed back members of the IDC into the party, the The Independent Independent Democratic Democratic Conference, Conference, just in time for them to get unseated yesterday. The king of the IDC guys, Jeff Klein, was toppled in the Bronx, and that signaled just how serious some of these challenges are. Here to make sense of New York's election results are our hosts, Professor Christina Greer, Harry Siegel, and Ozzy Pavera, and me, producer Alex Brooklyn, at 12.30 in the morning. Well, good morning. For anyone who didn't stay up late to see the results, here's Ozzy with a recap. And the unofficial results are in. It's Andrew Cuomo with 65% of the vote to Cynthia Nixon's 34% of the vote. Andrew Cuomo got 975,000 votes. Cynthia Nixon, 511,000. In the Attorney General's race, Letitia James is in the lead with 40% of the vote. And coming in second place is Zephyr Teachout with 31%. Sean Patrick Maloney, who is from the same part of the state as Zephyr Teachout, he got 25% of the vote. And Licia E has only 3.4%. Over in the lieutenant governor race, we have Kathy Hochul, the incumbent, winning with 53% of the vote. Jamani Williams, the councilman from Brooklyn, got 46% of the vote. Hi-ho, Silver! It's 12.45 Friday morning, the day after election day. The Working Families Party says New York politics changed forever. In the meantime, their mortal enemy, Governor Andrew Cuomo, won big. And his ticket won big. His attorney general candidate won. His lieutenant governor candidate won. And the powers that were are still the powers that be in Albany, I think. Chrissy, what's your one big takeaway from primary night? I felt like I was one of the few people that was really interested in the lieutenant governor's race. Even though Jumani Williams came up short against Kathy Hochul, uh, I think with Tish winning the AG nomination and removing herself from the public advocate, uh, I think we have a new way of looking at Jumani in a citywide capacity. So I think that if he's interested in the public advocates race or even the mayoralty, uh, he has a new path uh, should he be so inclined. So he may be the happiest guy who lost tonight. Exactly. And there are a lot of people who lost tonight. But, you know, removing, we've said this several times, removing Tish from New York City politics helps a lot of people uh, on the chessboard, right? And I think a lot of people wanted her to win for their own self-serving measures. Jumani wasn't necessarily one of those people. However, having Tish out of the equation puts him in a very interesting position because he's shown that he can run statewide. He's shown that he can articulate some very complex positions. You know, he can drill deep um, about statewide policies. And so couple that with his knowledge of city politics, I think he has a really good shot at choosing whether or not he wants to run for public advocate or mayor. And for Harry... 
if Jamani Williams is the happiest guy who lost, is Andrew Cuomo the angriest guy who won? He got his preferred candidates for lieutenant governor and for attorney general. But if he looks at the state legislature, the IDC or former IDC members, most of them lost. And the people who sort of ran against Cuomo-like politics of bring home the bacon, of this kind of triangulation and working with Republicans, those candidates lost. Is Andrew Cuomo the most unhappiest winner? Sort of. So the former IDC members, six of them lost, including Jeff Klein, who'd been the head of this, and thus the breakaway Democrats who caucus with the Republicans, and thus functionally the fourth man in Albany's infamous three men in a room. So that's a big win for insurgents in these smaller local races in individual state Senate districts. They didn't break through at all statewide. Uh, Jumani came close, but they didn't get there. So what you have is the same number of Democrats and the same number of Republicans in the state Senate as you had a week ago. And that means it's not clear that Democrats are going to control the state Senate. It's not clear yet if they do after November how that's going to work out, how these new insurgent members are going to play, and if they can hold control. Remember, the Democrats have won the state Senate before, and the state was going to be all blue, and you ended up with things like the IDC and individual members tipping over because that balance was so precarious. So I think Cuomo has a lot more room to maneuver and $150 billion or so to do that maneuvering with than, uh, than people are expecting at the moment. But this is definitely real and increased pressure on his left. And people supported him getting knocked off by people who said, we want a different system. And as people didn't take real estate money, very actively and dramatically in some cases, you know, go- going up against an operation that is really built on gigantic LLC, $64,000 at a time, sorts of contributions. Alex, you traveled to the Bronx, to Brooklyn, to Queens. I'm surprised you didn't go all over the state, but you only have so many miles to go. Did you hear from people the kind of results that we saw on primary night? I did, but I also heard from a lot of people that were supporting the insurgents, skepticism that they would win. Like people were, you know, people who had the uh, Biagi signs on their lawn in City Island were, you know, gung-ho for her, but very skeptical. I spoke with one guy who uh, calls himself the lone Democrat bartender in Throg's Neck. Well, the whole thing, the, the New York is a ridiculous place to vote. It's one of the most suppressed voting whatever, cities or states, rather, in the country that people don't realize. So I had to become a Democrat to have any say in this. And I'm definitely voting against Klein, who's really a Republican. And the whole, from from Cuomo signing on down, it's just been chaotic. The only reason they do anything progressive is when they get a little fire under their ass from some of these challengers, whether they're going to win or not. What about you? So are you are you going to vote for Biagi? Certainly voting against Klein, so, you know, I'm not... I'm not overly enthralled with Biagi as a candidate, but if she's running against him, that's where I'm going. Could you tell me, like, why you think Klein has this locked up? Familiarity. Familiarity, you know, he's, he's a name that actually he, he goes to events. He shows up at, you know, he, he runs things out of the park for, he, he's known. He's a presence that is well known. Whereas uh, the last election with uh, Crowley, he, no one saw him in years. Klein is, if, if anything, he causes issues to show up at and she's not Biagi no so there's, there's no she doesn't have a fight against and he um, 
you know, he said that the biggest difference between Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Alexandra Biagi was that Alexandria went door to door. The sentiment that I found around a lot of people just didn't didn't expect this to happen, even the supporters. Chrissy, I'm just sort of wondering, what does that say about the Democratic Party? It seemed that, you know, New York State has 62 counties. It seemed like only one mattered, Brooklyn. Andrew Cuomo, you know, Kathy Hochul, uh, Tish James, Jemani Williams, everyone that had a statewide uh, effort, they seem to be focusing on Brooklyn. What does that say about the Democratic Party? Well, we know that, you know, African-Americans tend to overperform in primaries. But, you know, for Cuomo, I think it's important to get Brooklyn because he knows that Tish has such a strong base in Brooklyn, right? So to to bring out Brooklyn helps Cuomo. To bring out Brooklyn could hurt Hochul, but we know that Cuomo doesn't really care about whether or not that hurt Hochul or not, right? He's basically saying she'll figure it out upstate. Um I think he was which also... Is, which is where Hochul is from. Exactly. Uh, I think he was also concerned about Brooklyn because Cynthia Nixon had such a perceived stronghold in Brooklyn. That's where her campaign, so, you know, headquarters are her top lieutenants, if you will, in her campaign are from Brooklyn. They have strong roots there. So that's why it seems as though, you know, this entire campaign season was sponsored by the bu- the borough of Brooklyn. <laughs> and and that, that takes care of that particular piece. But I think, you know, going back to, to Harry's point, when the governor is looking at these IDC members, um, you know, we have to remember, this is a governor who understands Albany and he's always going to be on top. I mean, as I've said several times, he's raised in captivity. He's been there since he was 17 years old. So it's the same number of people. But going back to Harry's point, the factions could reshuffle themselves in different ways. We might not see something called the IDC, but we might see a different set of factions that either give Cuomo a a new set of troubles or people who realize, well, I can actually get a lot more by allying myself with this, you know, Governor 3.0. So people who possibly were adversaries might now become friends with this new progressive set that's coming in and they're the new rebel rousers. I mean, there are a lot of different ways that we can move around these Democrats to see who's going to form factions with and or against the governor. All right. Crystal ball time. Come January, what does Andrew Cuomo 3.0 look like? Is he a more progressive, more lefty kind of governor than we've ever seen before? Or is this the Cuomo that we've seen already? Can't answer that until we get past November and we see what happens with the state Senate races in particular. I don't believe. Are the Republicans running a controller candidate? I I don't even know. I believe they are. Um, but the fact that the three of us or four of us don't know who it is should say something about. We're going to have to live up to our, you know, accessible information and dissemination of all information and do at least one episode on Republicans. I remember a couple of years ago, I think it was 2006, when Republicans ran a comptroller candidate who his biggest impression was that he wore a bow tie and when I asked him why he wore a bow tie I think his last name was Callahan he said oh my advisors told me I'd be more recognizable and memorable that way shout out to Tucker Carlson (laughs) no thanks I'll pass even he gave up the bow tie. So, so all these IDC guys went down, six of them, including uh, Klein, who lost to Biagi, as Alex was saying, right? Only two of them survived. But they're actually ex-IDC members, and they'd already been brought back into the Democratic fold. 
And when they were IDC members, they were crucial with some bribe money from Bloomberg in part, with getting gay marriage passed, with helping Cuomo get his gun bill across. And they bottled up all sorts of other Democratic priorities in exchange. And no one understood this and it's boring and like well, IDC Dems. Like, eh. so, so they got to pass. And now everyone is charged because of Trump and people are awake to local politics. And that helped uh, that helped those challengers win. They helped Julie Salazar defeat, a, you know, a second generation guy. He has the state Senate seat. His son has the assembly seat. Martin Delon is the person Julie Salazar beat. Right. And, and despite sort of massive questions about her, her presentation of her own life uh, and none of the new voters who came out, a lot of DSA voters cared in the least about that. So you do have these energized new participants, which is an awesome thing, like more people voting is really cool. But at this point, if I look at the powers that be in Albany and you're saying, what's going to happen? Is Cuomo 3.0 going to be different? I, I don't think much has changed. And I think like the WFP set and now the DSA set always want to look at these internal democratic struggles for where the center and soul of the party is and treat this like the biggest thing in the universe. And by the way, the WFP needs 50,000 votes in November to keep their ballot line, the Working Families Party. That's how you keep your line as a third party in the state. And all their candidates lost. So they're going to have to run someone in one of these races who people will go out and, uh, you know, uh, pull a lever for, or rather, you know, fill in a, uh, fill in a circle now. Um, and it's not clear who that's going to be. So that, that's one other sort of interesting twist as we have now a season of duller campaigning. Because in New York, most of the contests actually are, you know, which Democrat is going to hold this office. Speaking of, of people and heading into the dull part of the election season, the person that was most exciting was Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She endorsed Jamani Williams. She endorsed Cynthia Nixon. She, enjoy, she endorsed Sever Teachout, uh, statewide candidates, and they all lost. What happens to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez going forward? Here's the thing. Everyone keeps saying New York is such a blue state, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, where I don't think that New York is blue or progressive, right? So it's a red state. You just have six or seven blue cities that can change things. I mean, keep in mind the the June blue wave that everyone kept talking about. It's like, well, you know, we know that Adem and Siraj did very well and much better than expected, but they still lost. Those were congressional candidates who challenged incumbents, came close but didn't win. Came close but no cigar. So Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was essentially the only victorious candidate in June, in June who took on Joe Crowley and... and Ten-term incumbent. And shocked, literally, the country. So I think we need to be a little cautious as to, you know, yes, I think there might be a blue wave across the nation, um, you know, to take out certain Republicans in varying levels of government. But that blue wave doesn't necessarily mean a progressive blue wave. It is just a blue wave. Her staff says they're, like, reverse engineering her campaign. Like, one of the videos she had, her presentation, and she is, like, legitimately, I think, pretty wonderful. She campaigned the right way. She knocked on every single door. This is real, like, Mr. Smith goes to Washington stuff. And she won. And she's intelligent and serious and has this political capital now she has to spend, right? Or it goes away in any case. And when you have that shine, so she spent 11 days out of the district, she says. She told our friend Errol since, uh, since coming... Errol since, Lewis at New York won. Yep. Since, since, since winning the primary. And the rest of the time, she's there. I think she gets the constituent services matter, that all this national stuff and attention is not so important. But if she can help other sympathetic candidates win and help build a network and, you know, dance with them that brung you, um, that, that she's going to do that, which, which I think is right. I think the idea that all these other young candidates are going to be at that level is ridiculous. 
So that seems like, well, it it's nearly one o'clock in the morning on Friday. The primaries are over. I have a question for you guys. So the blue wave, although it might be happening nationally, whether or not it's actually happening in New York, will New York still take the credit for it? Nationally, Cuomo's still going to take, or so I think, you guys would know a lot better, but like Cuomo still seems like he's going to take the national credit for the blue wave, just like he did gay marriage, just like he did fracking, just like he did a lot of stuff that he was sort of forced into. I think any opportunity Cuomo has to say, look at New York, we're different than what's happening in Washington, he'll take it. And even if the state is the 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 11th to do something, when something happens in New York, people react to it as if it's happening for the first time because it's a bigger state. We have more people. We have more podcasts. Like even if this is the legislature he never wanted, he's still going to take credit for it in Washington. Yeah, and he'll frame he, – as he frames everything. I mean, take marriage equity. I believe New York was, what, number 17? You know – Cuomo says, well, we're the first big state to pass marriage equity. Well, we're the 17th state out of 50. Like, that's not, you know, we weren't leading the charge, Cuomo. And so I I do think that he will take credit for all of the successes and progress that Democrats are making across the nation. Because in his mind, however New York goes, so goes the rest of the the Democratic nation. When Tom Swansea was on, we were the first big state to be fair a little to pass this by law rather than, than have the courts work it out. When Swazi was on, he was talking about how he's always been in competitive districts where there are competitive generals and you have to appeal the different swaths of voters. And I feel like Cuomo senses that, and that's playing his position in this big state that's not entirely blue. Chrissy is, of course, right. Bill de Blasio, as mayor of a deep blue city, you know, is, is playing a different position. And, and the ideology of that is different and... Uh, you know, he made it sort of clear what he wanted in this race, even though he decided, you know, at the 11th hour after promising he was going to give his picks not to endorse. Um, so so whatever happens, Cuomo's going to claim credit. He's going to say, I made things as blue and as democratic as I can. And this is how you really get things done and work across the aisle. And that that's going to be his pitch. And it can feel like a very frustrating one inside New York. You know, and all the editorial boards, for instance, in, in the other races are saying, go, go with Zephyr Teacher. Go with Cuomo, but grit your teeth. And here we are with the voters coming out, and this is this is the ticket they went with. And I, I think that's worth reflecting on a bit. I, I agree, but I also think what's so interesting is, you know, we see this time and time again, the types of people who turn out in a primary are not the same type of people who turn out in a general. And we see whenever people are running statewide, especially for governors, they tend to go to the polls, meaning left or right, during a primary to to appease the activated voters who tend to come out. And then in the next two months, they oftentimes have to shimmy back to the middle so that they can capture as many independents and weak-leaning Republicans as possible. We're in a fascinating political moment, though, where I wonder if Cuomo will need to actually stay to the left as opposed to trying to move to the center, which we've seen time and time again with uh, statewide electeds. So what's the postmortem on the on the statewide candidates who lost on Jamani Williams, on Zephyr Teachout, on Cynthia Nixon? Well, I think Zephyr Teachout got a lot of endorsements, ran the best of her three races that she's run so far. And, you know, she's now a three time loser. And I think it's going to be hard for her to politically proceed. 
uh, from that. Uh, Sean Patrick Maloney saved himself from screwing the Democratic Party and, and opening up a contested uh, House seat by losing. So good for him by accident, I guess. And we've talked about uh, Jumani, who I think has a, a, a real and a bright future. And until Tish won, there was this threat, because about term limits work in New York, that he was just going to be forced off the board. And, and now I think that's very much not the case. Do you think he's responsible for Zephyr losing? Sean Patrick Maloney. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because there are two, because Sean Patrick Maloney, like Zephyr Teachout, they are white, they are from the Westchester, Mid-Hudson Valley area, and at the, de- at, at the debates that we saw, that I saw, Sean Patrick Maloney fired his criticisms mostly at Zephyr Teachout and less so at Tish James. Right. But, you know, Harry, going back to something you said about Zephyr Teachout, granted, this is, I think this is the job that best suits her skill set, the, the job of attorney general. Um, unfortunately, for women... They don't get to run several times and keep losing, right? We talked to Mark Green. We talked to Tom Swazi. There wasn't a race that they didn't see that they wanted to just throw their hat in the ring, even if they lost. And I think that there's a gender component to, you know, if Zephyr is thrown into the dustbin of political history because she's lost three races, I do think that that's something that happens to women way more often than men. Um, and then with... With Jumani, as I said before, I think that the mayoralty and public advocates race are his if he wants them. Sean Patrick Maloney, I think, you know, fine, you'll win your congressional seat. But I hope a Democrat challenges him next time around um, because I don't like the fact that he ran for two offices. Granted, that's on the books, but I, I find it, you know, problematic. And then Cynthia Nixon, I know that there's some whispers that she's going to be interested in running for mayor, but I just don't think that we're at the moment right now where we need political novices um, at the realm, at the helm. I I was at the Working Families Party party tonight in Brooklyn, and what I heard was that uh, Cynthia Nixon had a hurdle to get over with being a celebrity with no experience managing or in politics. And in the age of Trump, Democrats don't have a taste for it. And that Cynthia Nixon, along with Zephyr Teachout, had trouble getting votes from black and Latino parts of the state. And if you are a white progressive who is running and there are credible alternatives to you that can get those votes, you have a really long night ahead of you. Those are the takeaways that, that I heard from primary night. I think it goes down to an authenticity question um, as far as bringing certain issues to the fore that may be, you know, new to some and very old to others. And that's hard to fake. So when Cynthia Nixon says, I'm just going to give you the pop money blacks um, at the start of the race, and she did, that was like a disastrous moment for trying to push past where Zephyr Teachout had been and appeal to those voters who didn't know her, who she didn't have a record with. To, there was a woman in Throgsneck that I spoke with that was incredibly disenchanted for, with Cynthia Nixon. What is your name? Carlene Williams. What about uh, Cuomo versus Nixon? Cuomo. I'm the thing about Nixon. Nixon, first, she first came out. I'm just being blunt. She yeah. first came out. She. It was like in a, an appeasing to the black community and the brown community coming out and bringing out an old-time rapper that people my age 
obviously know of, bringing out the old time black rapper and going on stage. And I think one of her first remarks was something about black women need to have voices and so forth and so on, this and that. And then when you blink, you turn around, she's running. So I'm saying to her, okay, how are black people saying, how are black people gonna, women gonna have voices? What are they gonna do, speak through her? So she said, we should have voices, but yet you looked and you didn't see anybody to push. Right. So Letitia James won the primary for attorney general. And as we discussed on this podcast earlier, all of the attorney general candidates said they were going to try to clean up Albany and also focus on Donald Trump. And the question we asked all the candidates was, are you going to go after Donald Trump? And the swamp that made him, which is New York real estate. Tis James's acceptance speech on primary night didn't even mention real estate. So we'll see what happens with that. Guys, it has been seven episodes of FAQ. It's awesome. It's like one in the morning. We made it to the primaries. <laughs> we won. We won. Now I've got to go teach. But you know, I will say this really quickly. And, um, <laughs> but so, but I'm, I just I do want to put in a plug for I'm, two historical things happened tonight. One, Tish James, first African American woman ever elected, nominated statewide, right? And she's going to face uh, Keith Wolf, Wolf, Wolfer, Wolford, Wolford, who's a black Republican. So either way you slice it, you know, barring some catastrophic event. Uh, the attorney general will be African-American, basically the second only uh, African-American elected statewide in the history of New York State, right? Carl McCall being the first uh, as comptroller. David Patterson. And David Patterson, sorry. I forgot about David Patterson. I don't know what. He was elected lieutenant, lieutenant he was governor. elected lieutenant governor. Elevated, but not elected right, to governor. Right, to governor. Oh, yeah. So... Um, New York State doesn't have a long history, um, better than most states, but so there's Carl McCall, David Patterson, and uh, either James or Wolford. So that's one. And then the second piece is uh, John Liu, first Asian American elected to the state Senate. He was our very first guest, and I think that that's... I don't think so. I think that we're the good luck charms. I mean, yay for John Liu, and it just goes to show. I mean, we're kind of like a... Lucky rabbit's foot. I don't want to say that, but I'm going to say that. I, I will just say that John Liu appeared on the show, and he won. Cynthia Nixon did not appear on the show. We know how that turned out. F-A-Q. FAQ is brought to you by a grant from Civil, a blockchain organization rewriting the economics of journalism. And we recorded today's episode in Alex Brooklyn's apartment. Skibbity bop boop bop ba doop boop. Now get out. <laughs> now get out. <laughs> Skibbity bop, get out. Andrew Cuomo may have tweeted by the time you heard this. Ooh, yeah. Skibbity bop boop bop ba doop boop. Skibbity bop, skibbity bop boop bop ba doop boop. News, 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 news. New York City. F-A-Q. F-A-Q.